Welcome to Towards the Mark. Um, I'm your host, Robert White, and this is week three. Um, This week's going to be a little bit different than what we've typically been doing, only because I don't have a special guest. Um, The Lord has kind of moved me in this episode to go a different direction, and so um, that's what I'm going to do. I actually want to start a study um, on the Book of Romans, um, where that's currently where I'm studying. Um, And the Book of Romans to me so far has been so eye-opening. And so I want to kind of just go through chapters one, possibly two, if we have time. And I just kind of want to give you a a, a, a real, in-the-moment um, description of what I believe the book of Romans is saying and what I'm personally getting out of it. Um, only because I believe sometimes um, these studies are made when, when we're sitting in church, um, when we're listening to podcasts, to documentaries, when we're reading commentaries. I believe people try to overcomplicate um the way that they believe, I believe people try to sound a little bit smarter sometimes. I believe people want to sound scholarly. They want to sound um, theological. Um, they want to be theologians. And, and that's not what we're doing here on this podcast. And to those people, they play a very important role. Um, but unfortunately, not everyone's a theologian. Not everyone's a Bible scholar. So sometimes some of those things go above people's heads. So I want to take the time today to just read through um, some of the Book of Romans. And for the next couple of weeks, that's what I'm going to do. And just kind of give you a a real life, in the moment, what I believe it's saying. Um, I'm going to go, we're going to start in Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to go from verse 1 to verse 10. Stop and kind of give you what I think it's talking about and continue on from there. Um, we had JT in the first episode, man, he was great. We had Pastor Tony last week, and he was great, and we're your... Uh, I'm super thankful for all the people that have been listening, man. God's really using this thing um, to keep me encouraged. Um, I I just want to kind of take a moment real quick to talk about my personal walk with Christ. We've talked to JT about um, um, his walk. I've talked to Pastor Tony about his walk. And so let me give you a little bit of background into my walk um, as your host. Um, I grew up in a Christian school. I grew up in a very large church um, that had its... It's ups and downs. I had moments of being large and moments of being small. And, you know, we were just like any church. We were full of people. And with people come conflict and with people come sin and with people come hurt. And um, I went to church uh, for the entirety of my life, pretty much. Um, Since I was a young kid, I felt the call to be a preacher. Um, And I really feel like that's what the Lord has laid on my heart is to preach. That's the calling he has for me. And so that's the calling that I've accepted. Um, I quit going to church a couple years ago. And there were multiple reasons why. um, The reasons why, why really were people. It was my hurt. I tethered my relationship to the church before I did to Christ. And so when the church failed me, I thought Christ had failed me. Um, instead of if I had done that the other way around, when the church failed me, I would have found solace in Christ, not failure in Christ, or perceived failure, I guess. Um, and so for a long time, I ran from Christ, I ran from God, I ran from that calling, and, and I just kind of lived my life the way I wanted to. And luckily enough, I never got into drugs, I never really got into drinking um, of course, you know, I tried drinking and, and I did smoke pot and those things just weren't for me. You know, I didn't enjoy them. Um, but the passion was always there to do the work of Christ. The passion was there. The want and the desire to do it was there. 
Um, and I just always knew it was where I was supposed to be. And yet, for some reason, man, I just didn't do it. I just thought, man, it'd be better off me just living my life the way I'm living it. And it just wasn't. Um, and so, uh, within the last, I'd say close to probably seven or eight months, um, I've rededicated my life to Christ, to preaching. Um, the Lord laid it on my heart to start this podcast. Um, and he, he's relayed the call on my heart to be a preacher. Um, one thing I know for certain Paul talks about throughout the New Testament is reputation. Reputation being important. When they called Stephen um, to be the essentially the liaison uh, between the disciples and the widows, um, one of the requirements Peter and the disciples had was that they find seven men that were of good reputation. Um, you know, my, I, I don't care about Robert White's reputation. I, I don't care what people think about me. What I do care about, however, is how much the Lord is able to use me. And if my reputation for Christ is tarnished, then I won't be as powerful. I won't be as good of a member of that army for Christ as I should be because my reputation has been tarnished. And so currently right now what I'm working on is I've self-identified a couple areas in which I feel greatly as a Christian. And those areas are my ego and my arrogance. I'm so egotistical and I'm so arrogant sometimes. And um, most times because I think it's funny. And, and it it's really not. Um, so those are two areas I'm really working heavily on. And I pray daily that the Lord just takes my tongue and, and he holds it. Um, within my job, I hold a position of authority. And I get myself in trouble on more than one occasion. Um, where my ego and my arrogance just shows itself and I pray daily that the Lord just holds my tongue and it's something I'm working on currently and it's, it's a big it's a big falling spot for me it's a big spot of failure for me um, but I'm also working on that reputation I really tarnished that reputation and it wasn't like I went out and started murdering people or dealing drugs or doing drugs or sleeping around or um, you know the sexual immorality wasn't there. The drugs weren't there. The drinking wasn't there. Um, I just, I just ruined the reputation that Christ had spent so long to build. Um, that now my job, before I can be a true fiery force for Christ, is to get that reputation back. And so I'm back to studying. I'm going back to church. I'm surrounding myself with godly people. Um, one thing I found really interesting was. Um, you know, I listen to music, um, and I found myself recently, man, the more that I'm getting indulged back into the Word, the more I'm getting indulged back into prayer and, and fellowship and following, um, the more drawn to spiritual-filled music I am. You know, I, I put on, I was going to listen to some uh, secular music the other day, and, and, and though I don't find anything particularly wrong with certain secular songs, um, it was just really laid on my heart to surround myself with gospel music at the time. And so the desire to listen to some of the secular music is just not there for me anymore. And I'm losing the desire to listen to some secular podcast. And, and and while I don't believe those things are bad, I just think that for right now where I'm at in my Christian walk, the Lord has has told me it's better for me to, to surround myself with those spiritual people. Um, but, but one of the reasons I started this podcast was one, because I felt the Lord had called me to do so um, as a way to, to help get me back on track. Um, and as a way to be used, um, you know, I, I do believe that sometimes um, the Lord might have a certain path and plan picked out for you. Uh, and I believe because of your own actions, sometimes um, 
you no longer get to do the things the Lord had picked out for you. Um, and this is seen through evidence through Moses, um, who was supposed to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Um, and he doesn't get to because of his own his own actions. And, and he was such a good servant, man. And he did everything right. And he just did one wrong thing. And the Lord said, okay, that is taken away from you now. That's no longer your purpose. Your purpose is to get him there and we'll find someone else to lead him in. Um, King David. King David was supposed to build the temple. And because of his own um, problems and his own sin, uh, King David doesn't get to build the temple. And so I'm not saying that Christ can't use you. I just believe that sometimes the plan Christ had picked out for you, you miss because of your own actions and your own inability to take um, the step that God's requiring of you, Christ is requiring. And so I think that that now in my current walk with Christ, my new relationship with Christ, um, this is this is the first step. Christ has said, hey, I want you to re-kickstart your ministry with this podcast. And so that's what we're doing. And I just love realism, man. I want realism in Christianity. Um... I don't always want to hear about how great the Lord has been for you this week. I want to hear the struggles. I want to hear how you were mad at Christ and how you weren't sure if you were going to go to church on Sunday because your faith was shaken. But then I want to hear how you overcame that. Um, too many times as Christians, I think that we get to the point where we believe that, oh, if I have a faith problem, if, if, I, if I fail a little bit, then I, I must not be a true Christian. And that's because that's what's so deeply ingrained in our DNA. And I want to hear the realism, man. I want to hear how you shook your fist at God and you said, man, God, how could you do this? Um, currently right now in my life, man, I'm going through such a fleshly struggle. Um, and I don't mean sin-wise. I mean that there's a, um, a very important person in my life that's sick. Um, probably the most important person in my life. Um, and Paul says to be, to be happy in our trials. And I really thought, man, how how can I be happy? Um, and I was at the hospital um, yesterday, which was a Friday, because I'm recording this on Saturday night. And because of this, um, my podcast didn't come out at 9 a.m. on Saturday like usual. We're a little bit set back, so I'm recording this on Saturday night simply because uh, I've been spending some time in the hospital with this person. Um, and Paul talks about, man, um, you need to have joy in your trials joy in your struggles praise the lord for the trial you're going through and i always thought man how can i do that how can i praise him and yesterday when i was at the hospital with this very important person we got some bad news and um it, things were looking really bleak for a while and so i got up and i left um the hospital and i walked across the campus of the hospital and i sat down by a tree and i just started praying and i didn't know what i was going to say but i was crying and i don't cry very often but with tears coming down my face, man, I just said, Lord, I I don't know, man, why you would put me through this. It's a very important person for me, and you know how bad this one hurts. And and then suddenly I, I just got this 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 calmness over me. And I just said, you know what, Lord, though, there's there's a, there's a greater plan, and I'm willing to roll with that. I'm willing to see what that greater plan is. And man, but I'm not gonna lie to you, I was mad. I was, I was mad, I was upset, I was hurt. Um, but I wanted to, in that moment, praise God for the 24, almost 25 years I got with that person. And and, and luckily enough, th this person's improving at the moment. They're getting better. And, and I, I don't know how much time is left for this person. Um, maybe 20 more years, maybe 20 more minutes, I don't know. But um, 
I, I'm going to thank the Lord regardless, you know. Um, I'm going to take my moment to be hurt. I'm going to take my moment to be sorrowful. But I'm not going to let it define who I am as a Christian. But I want to hear those moments, you know. When you're mad and you're asking God why and you don't understand. I want to hear about those moments. And then I want to hear how you overcame them. Because it's important. It's important to say, God, I'm mad, man. I don't get it. But I thank you for the struggle. I thank you for the trial. It's making me a better Christian, man. Um, so that's that's where I am in my walk with Christ. And, the, and that's where I'm at at the moment. But but the Lord really led me this week just to, to start doing this Roman study on here. Um, and, and I don't know. Maybe he'll, he'll put someone in, in my pathway to be a guest um, to talk about a chapter or two of the book of Romans with us. But... Um, for the next couple weeks, this is what we're going to do. Um, so let's just get into it. Romans chapter 1. Um, I'm reading out the King James Version here. Um, Romans chapter 1 and verse 1 through 10. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Verse 6 says, Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son that without ceasing I am making mention of you always in my prayers. Making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come on to you. Um, I don't know if much needs to be said about those first 10 verses. I mean, I think they're pretty much self-explanatory. Paul introduces himself, um, and he, he talks about his faith a little bit and who he is, and he talks about how, um, he's a servant of Jesus Christ. You know, what I find interesting about that word servant is some of the other biblical translations, uh, I, I'm not sure, you know, obviously some people are King James only, um, some people jump onto other translations. Regardless though, that word servant um, a closer um, translation of that word um, in modern English would actually be slave um, or bondservant. And what's interesting is Paul talks a lot um, in the book of Romans about what it means to be a slave or to be a bondservant. Um, and he's not saying that you're a slave in the way of Christ has stripped your free will. No, we're going to figure out later on in the book of Romans, we're going to put a pin in that for, for the moment. Because later on in the book of Romans, throughout the study, we're going to see Paul's going to explain very well um, what the definition of a slave is, um, especially being a slave or servant, in this case, to Jesus Christ. Um, he talks about how we know that Christ is the Son of God. Um, he talks in verse 4 about the power according to the spirit of holiness um, and because he, re he was resurrected from the dead. Um, what I love, though, is from verse 6 to verse 10, um, Paul talks about how the Christians in Rome are known throughout the world. Um, their faith is spoken about throughout the whole world. Um, struggles for Christians in Rome at the time were very large. Um, it wasn't very easy to be a Christian in Rome at the time. Um, 
But their faith was so strong, it was spoken about in the entire world. And, and, and Paul goes on to say that he prays about them at length. And um, In verse 10, Paul says um, that he, he's praying, essentially, um, that he's making a request with Christ through ceasing, through not ceasing in prayer about these guys, that he might be able to come to them. Let's continue on with verse 11. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both you and me, both of you and me. What if I, I know I said I was going to go ten verses at a time, but if something jumps out at me, I guess I'm just going to stop. What I find interesting there is, um, I talked about this at church a couple weeks ago, and I always say it. Um, I, I had said at the beginning of this pot of this episode that one of my biggest failures as a Christian, the f- in my first start of my ministry compared to now was I tethered my relationship to Christ or to the church instead of to Christ. So when the church failed me, I thought Christ had failed me. Um, and you hear so many times Christians say, don't worry about the man. Don't come to church for the man. Don't, don't the man, the man, the man, the man, you should be following Christ. And while I agree with that wholeheartedly, that your relationship needs to be tethered to Christ and then to the church, um, I also believe Paul is very clear here that it, we as humans play a very important part in each other's role of faith. Um, we need to be there for one another. Paul says it right there um, in verse 12. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Trials and tribulations will come, struggles will come, but Paul says we need to, we need to be mutually comforting each other. And because we all have faith in the same thing. Let's continue on in verse 13. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was left hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation that everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Starting here in verse 13, you know, he says, I'm not going to have you ignorant. That I oftentimes propose to come on to you. He's saying that I don't want you to think that I'm not trying to get back to you. I am. I want to come back to you. Um, because I want to see. I want to see the fruit that's among you. I want to see the ministry. You guys are talking about so, so much throughout the world. Paul's saying, I want to come back. Because I want to see the work you're doing. I want to know the ministry you're creating. Um, he says, so much is in me. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He's saying, with everything in me, man, I want to get back because I want to see the fruit you have and I want to preach the gospel. Um, Because he's not ashamed of the gospel. He says in verse 16, um, For it is the power of God unto salvation that everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Um, You'll find an interesting trend here um, pretty much all throughout the New Testament where Paul says salvation was offered to the Jew first. And then to the Gentiles, second, it was because the Jews actively rejected it that Paul says consistently throughout the book of Acts and book of Romans that, okay, you've rejected it, I'm going to go to the Gentiles, I'm going to talk to the Gentiles about it. Um, but, and JT even said it, 
Um, in the first episode, he says that, that every time Paul went to a new city, he went to the synagogue first, and when the synagogue rejected him, he would go out and he'd talk to the Gentiles. And he would say, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. Let's carry on in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, but understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Let's stop there and kind of kind of break that down a little bit. Um, he talks all about in the first part of first part of the chapter one. He talks about uh, he introduces himself. He t- he talks about how he wants to come back. Um, and he talks about how he wants to preach to these guys, you know. Um, and in verse 17, he says, For therein, let's go back to verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation that everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then he says in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in un- unrighteousness. So he's saying there is, he starts in verse 18, verse 18 by saying the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. He's saying that, that uh, hey, I want to get back and preach because I want to see your fruit, but understand that the wrath of God towards your unrighteousness is revealed, that, that towards everyone else around you, if, if they're unrighteous, the wrath of God will be revealed. What he, what he starts here is Paul begins to talk about um, God's just uh, um, righteous anger, essentially. He, he Verse 18 begins the pathway into talking about righteous anger. Um, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, this is verse 20, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. He's saying... He begins to talk about why God's um, um, anger is righteous anger and why he's able to be wrathful righteously. And he says in verse 20, it's because he he showed you, you know what sin is, you know what unrighteousness is, you're without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Um, let's continue on where we're at. Verse 26, For the cause God gave them up to their vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was met. He's talking about sin here. He's talking about God's righteous anger. And he's talking about how God gave up some of... Some of the people in Rome, he gave them up to their vile affections. He gave them up to their to their to their sin, but God's wrath from heaven will be revealed against that sin, and that His wrath is just. The trials and tribulations these people will go through, death is a just wrath. It's a just 
reaction because they have no excuse. They know these things are sinful, but but they're still choosing to do them. So they have no excuse as to why they're doing them. Um, verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to their reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Um, that's kind of like me, you know. Um, when I was first in the ministry, when I was when I was a little bit younger, a couple years ago, about two years ago, um, and man, I was really strong. I was doing outreaches and stuff. I just got this idea that that there was better out there, you know, that that this work that I was doing, there was better stuff out there to be doing, and uh, and and eventually God just said, you know what? I'm taking away the conviction. I'm taking away the I'm taking away the bad the 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 need to feel like you need to be here. I'm taking away the calling. I'm taking away the passion. If you don't want it, I'll take it back. And I'm going to give you up to your reprobate mind. I'm going to give you up. I'm going to allow you to go back out and sin. I'm going to allow you to do the things you want to do because you choose to sin. I'm going to allow you to. And that's what Paul's saying here. That because they chose to sin, God allowed them to. Um being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, malice. M- maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implicable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. He's saying, all these guys... They knew what they were doing, and yet chose to do them anyway. And you're going to see why he's talking about this. He, he, he's going to eventually go on to, to, to start breaking it down for you that, that God's anger is just. And what's happening in the first part of the book of Romans here is Paul was being accused, and you're going to see this here in, in I think chapter 2 he starts talking about it a little bit. Paul was being accused by some of the Jewish leaders at the time of... Essentially, he was. They were saying that Paul was saying that um, you're allowed to do bad things because you doing bad things allows God to have a purpose. Essentially, is what they were kind of saying. And so Paul is is arguing here against that. Um, and we're starting that here in verse two, or chapter two, chapter two, verse one says, "Therefore thou art thou art inexcusable, man, whosoever thou art that judgest." For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doeth the same thing. Verse 1 is so powerful here. He breaks it down. He says, everything I just talked about in in chapter 1, you doing them is inexcusable. You know that they're wrong. It's inexcusable. But what are you doing? You're judging. He's talking to the Jews here. He's saying, chapter 1, he's talking about the Gentiles. Chapter 2 now, he's talking about the Jews. He's saying, but you're, you as Jews are condemning the Gentiles? But you're doing the exact same things that they're doing. So so he says, he says, um, Whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. He, thyself. He's saying, if you as a Jew are judging the Gentiles for not living by the Jewish law, for doing all these bad things, you yourself are condemning yourself because you're judging yourself for the exact same things that you're doing that the Gentiles are also doing. Sorry, that was kind of a roundabout way to say that. but Verse 2 says, 
But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou should escape the judgment of God? He's saying right here, he's saying, hey, you as a Jew, you think that just because you live by the law, you're going to escape the judgment of God by judging the Gentiles and telling the Gentiles they're bad and they should stop doing that? You think you're going to get, escape the wrath of God? No, you're going to be judged too. He's saying judge away, but you're going to condemn yourself and you're also not going to escape the judgment of God. Verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness, an impotent heart, treasurest up thou unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteousness judgment of God. Who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. So right there, he goes into saying, you're judging the Gentiles for crimes that you're committing. Do you think you're going to escape the righteous judgment of God? No, you're not. Everyone, everyone is going to be judged by God. And God will render to every man according to his deeds, whether they're good or bad. Whether you're seeking eternal life or you're not, he's going to judge you regardless. And we're all going to be judged the same. But unto them, this is verse 8, But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish, upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. You see so many times he says that this is, the, we're talking to the Jews first, because the commandment was to give it to the Jews first. Now we're giving it to the Gentiles. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. Meaning, verse 11 just means that it doesn't matter who you are. There's no respect of persons, meaning that God doesn't care what your nationality is. He doesn't care if you're black, white, Native American, Chinese. He doesn't care. There's no respects of, of your nationality. For as many have have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law, and as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. He's talking. He starts talking now about the law, and he ties that into what he said in the in the very first verse. For as many have have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. So if you didn't have the law, and you didn't know what the law stated, you're going to die without knowing what the law stated. But if you sin within the law, guess what? You're going to be judged by the law. So if you know these things are wrong, if you know the things you're doing are bad, you're going to be judged by your knowledge of your wrongdoing. And you say, okay, so does that mean that if you don't know you're doing wrong, then it's not a sin? No, Paul talks about that too later on in, in Romans. But right here he's specifically saying that if you sin within the law, you're going to be judged by the law. So stop judging these Gentiles and just just what are you doing you're gonna be judged by your wrongdoing so quit doing wrong you know try to live your life better instead of judging these other people for not the hearers of the law are just before God but the doers of the law shall be justified for when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature here he starts talking about it, he starts explaining to it for when the Gentiles, verse 14, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, 
these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. Listen, listen, what he's saying here, this is really important, you got to get this. He's saying the Gentiles, they don't have the law. The Gentiles weren't given the law. So what he's saying is, if you're, what do you say, what do you say up here? He said, for as many as have sinned without the law, shall also perish without the law. So what, what did I just say? You know, it's very easy to take that verse and say, okay, so if you don't know that you're doing wrong, then obviously you're not sinning. No, look, look what he says here. He says, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. He's saying naturally, you know what right and wrong is. The Gentiles naturally know what right and wrong is. They don't need the law. They know what right and wrong is. So yes, even if they didn't have the law, they knew what was right and wrong. And if they still continued to do it, they were still sinning. Verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men, by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Verse 17. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and retest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which hast the form of knowledge, and of the truth in the law. He's saying, You, behold, thou art called a Jew, and retest in the law, and make thy boast of God. He's saying, You're judging the Gentiles, and you're boasting because you were given the law, and you claim to live by it, but you know his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. He's saying, You know his will, and you were given the law, which means you have a clearer understanding of what right or wrong is. And you're, you're a guide for the blind. You're a guide for them in darkness. You're a light for them in darkness. You're an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Let's see what he said in 21. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Mind blown. He's saying, listen. He says, you're judging the Gentiles, but have you not learned anything while teaching the law which you boast in? You love the law. You push the law. You want the entire world to live by this law. Haven't you taught yourself anything, and yet you still can't live by it? Yourself? That's crazy. Uh, thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? See, he starts breaking down their arguments here. Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law... Though through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God? He's saying, you're boasting about the law and you're breaking it. Do you think that's honoring to God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Listen to the rest of this chapter here. Verse 26, Therefore, if the uncircumcision keeps the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? 
and shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision dost transgress the law? For he is... Let me stop and break that down for a second. Um, he's saying... You just heard what he was saying. He was telling the Jew, you're teaching the law. You believe you're better than the Gentiles. You boast in this law that the God that God has given you. And you don't keep it. But aren't you teaching it? Haven't you taught yourself anything? But yet, here's all the sins you guys are committing while preaching against. And he's saying, you're dishonoring God by breaking the law. You're preaching it and then breaking it. And that's dishonoring. It, you're blaspheming God among the Gentiles when you do these things. But listen to this. Listen to this. Because he says, For circumcision verily profiteth. If thou keep the law. He's saying, listen, if you keep... There were 600 Jewish laws. He's saying, listen, if you keep all 599 other laws, circumcision is great. He profits a lot. Circumcision is fantastic if you keep all other 599 laws. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made on circumcision. He's saying circumcision profits so much if you keep the rest of the law. But if you reject the other 599 laws what good did circumcision really do you verse 26 he says therefore if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision he's saying you're not keeping the law as it is but you're boasting about your circumcision and you're boasting about having the law but really your circumcision means nothing because you're not keeping the rest of the law so he says, but if someone, like a Gentile, doesn't get circumcised, but they're righteous in the way that they work, in the way that they live, shouldn't they be considered circumcised too? Because then your circumcision just becomes meaningless. And they're on circumcision, and your circumcision is the same. And shall not on circumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in flesh. He's saying right here, he's saying, listen, you're judging the Gentiles because you have the law, because you believe you're better than them, because you're circumcised. But he says, if someone, a Gentile, is uncircumcised, but is righteous, and you're a Jew, circumcised, but not keeping the law, doesn't the Gentile circumcision count the same as your circumcision? Because essentially, he's more righteous than you. And right now, righteousness in the New Testament is what matters because of Christ's sacrifice. But listen, he says, But you're judging the Gentile. But shouldn't essentially the Gentile be the one being able to judge you as well? Because, because the Gentile is putting as much work into it as you are. He's just putting it in differently. He's more righteous. You keep the law a little bit better. But, he says, For he's not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. He's saying, The Gentile is not a Jew, but inward. It's the heart that matters. It's a heart condition. He's saying, Your circumcision is merely fleshly. That's an outward thing. I don't care about that. In verse 29, to finish up the chapter 2, he says, But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. He finishes it off right there, and it's so important, by saying, His circumcision, his uncircumcision, counts 
as circumcision because he chooses to be righteous over boasting in a law that he knows he can't fulfill. The Jews at the time were boasting in a law that they themselves were failing at and they were judging an entire other group for not keeping this law that they were boasting in and God says no, or, or Paul says no, their uncircumcision is an inward thing. They've circumcised their heart. They're living by the heart game. They're boasting in righteousness. You're boasting in written law. To what avail are you boasting? You're boasting in something that doesn't matter. It's a heart condition. Um, that was chapter 1 and 2 of Romans. And next week we'll, we'll do chapters 3 and 4. And maybe even more if the Lord leads us. Man, the book of Romans is so awesome. Um, I hope you kind of got something from that today. Um, the takeaway for me is judgment. Um, the application for me out of that is judgment. Um, in the Christian church, man, it's so easy today to say, uh, look at all the ministries I do. Look at all that I gave last month. Look at, I, I brought more. I, I donated more to the pancake breakfast. I, I gave more to the book bag fair, man. I'm on my bus route every week. I sing. I, I gave more in the offering. Paul's saying, who cares, man? Those are outward things. You're living by works. We're living by righteousness. It's a heart condition. Stop judging the other groups that don't give as much, that don't do as much as you think they should. Because where's your heart? Their heart is right. Where's yours? Um, it's a heart condition, man. Christianity is a heart condition. And when you truly start to create that personal relationship with Christ through righteousness and not through the things you believe you can give Him, because Christ doesn't need anything from us, you will truly begin to change your heart for the better. Um, I'm excited for next week to read chapters 3 and 4. Um, and I hope you guys tune back in. Thanks for listening today, man. Um, this is just a, uh, a book that I really enjoy reading so far. Acts was amazing too. Uh, maybe if the Lord ever leads me to do one on Acts, we can do one on Acts. But um, Acts was such a good book. But Romans is a really good book, man. There's a lot of good stuff hidden in the book of Romans that if you actually stop and read... Um, you'll really learn a lot. And so I really wanted to just stop and read it with you guys and kind of explain it from my perspective and my viewpoint. And here's the thing, man. I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm not a theologian. I could be way off track. And if I am, I hope that someone reaches out to me and tells me. Um, you can always email. Uh, if you have anything you'd like to hear on the podcast. Um, heck, if maybe even if you would like to be uh, featured on the podcast, man, if you have a prayer request, um, if you have anything, man, um, reach out to me at towardsthemark at gmail.com. Um, please follow us on Towards the Mark on Instagram. You can also private message us there uh, with anything, really. Um, a prayer request. If you want to keep it anonymous, keep it anonymous. If you want it to be unspoken, make it unspoken. If you want it talked about here on the podcast for the rest of the audience to pray about it too, we can do that as well. Um, this podcast isn't for one. I'm Baptist. Um would be would be my if I had to put a if I had to put a title on my religion that's what it would be um but this podcast isn't just for Baptists it's for everyone it's for the Catholics the Lutherans the non-denominationals the atheists the agnostics um it's for hurting hearts it's great to go Paul says I became all things all people it's great to go into the church every Sunday and fellowship and and see the people you you haven't seen since last Sunday or Wednesday but what good is it doing us if we're not reaching the world with the message Christ has given us? So I want to be a hospital for hurting hearts on here. So, man, really, 
reach out to me at towards the mark at gmail.com follow us on instagram um yeah, private messages there and genuinely i hope you guys come back next week thanks for listening